Hello there, friends. Nice to see you. How are you doing today? Welcome to the Cancer Season Q&A. It's my birthday. Thank you for hanging out with me today. It's so wonderful to see all of your uh, names and faces in the chat here today. I thought I would just, you know, come and, and celebrate with you as a community. Always love chatting with you and seeing how you're doing and sharing thoughts and whatnot. So we can talk a little astrology. We could talk some sports. We could talk whatever is uh, inspiring you today. Um, I'm just going to welcome a few friends here. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I feel feel honored that you spend your Friday afternoon with me. So thanks again. Lisa is here. Hello, Lisa. This is happy birthday, Spencer. Thank you, friend. Carol from Mass. Achusis Mass. Carol from Mass says, waning give us moon. Yes, today. Welcome, friends. Susanna made it. Happy birthday. Thank you, Susanna. Nice to see you. And happy early birthday to you, birthday buddy, who is a, this is a celebration of all of our cancer friends here uh, at Spencer Michelle Astrology. <laughs> um, Nanda Devi is here wishing you a very happy birthday from Middle Tennessee. Nice to see you, Nanda Devi. Rachel Fletcher, happy birthday. Thank you, Rachel Fletcher. Nice to see you, friend. Welcome. Monique is here. Happy birthday, homie. Nice to see you, friend. Uh, hope you're doing well out there in California today. Under the Moon is here. Tarya Enoranta is here saying happy birthday. El Nash, welcome. Dawn is here. Dawn Fisher, happy birthday. I actually got to make it. Well, thank you, Dawn. Cheers to you. Nice to see all of you today. Loretta says happy solar return, Spencer. Yeah, well, We'll uh we'll look at a solar return today. Um, we can look at my solar return if you want. If you want to get a little bit of an insight on how I um, look at solar returns, and how you might be able to use it within your own practice or within your own chart in your own life. Um, yeah, I'm glad that you can make it here, Al Nash. Nice to see you, friend. Uh, so I hope that you're doing well out there. That you are enjoying your Cancer season that you survived some of the squares with uh, Mars and Venus to Uranus in the last couple weeks, uh, that you're gearing up for Venus retrograde in Leo, because that's going to be one of the next kind of big things that we're going to be dealing with. We've got a new moon in Cancer coming up in about a week or so. So we're just uh, living it, right? We're just living living the dream here. Um Mars is going to be moving into Virgo on Monday the 10th, so a lot of changes coming around. Uh, just welcoming some more friends here. This is why I wanted to come on today. You all are so nice and wonderful. Uh, Carolyn Perkins says hello from Carmel Valley, CA. Uh, happy birthday. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you for Carolyn is uh, one of my um, send me some stuff in the mail friends. So thank you, Carolyn, for the wonderful, beautiful card that you sent, handwritten card and um, your donation. I appreciate you and I appreciate, it's kind of rare to get the uh, the snail mail and it's nice, I miss it. It's one of those things that you kind of grew up with and um, it's just a real pleasure to get a nice note like that in the mail. So thank you, Carolyn, I appreciate you. Um, let's see, Tanya is here from inside the house. Nice to see you, Tanya. Um, Tanya is going to be cooking me a birthday meal today. She's a wonderful chef, and I'm so fortunate to have such a lovely partner. So thank you for being here, Tanya. I love you. 
and um, we're going to have a good time here today. Uh, Al Faye is here, says happy birthday, Spencer. Hello, Al Faye. Hello, Faye. Nice to see you. Okay. Hope Don says, hope you're going to do something fun today. You know, I think today is just, it's the energy feels like a relaxing, chill day. You know, I think uh, I was thinking about all the things I could potentially do, but I think that what I would like most today is just to relax, ha hang out with all of you for an hour or two, and um, and then you know what I'm going to do? I think I'm going to watch Summer League Basketball. <laughs> Today's the first day for the Milwaukee Bucks Summer League Basketball team, and I love Summer League because it's the first time we get to see some of the new players and the draft picks that they recently picked in the NBA draft. And it's just kind of nice to get introduced to new players and new new teammates that are going to be um, part of the team moving forward. So those are my big plans <laughs> as I have my on my 43rd birthday. So I'll show you the solar return. We'll we'll kind of dive into that a little bit today. And you know, it is a Q&A. So if you have questions about your chart, if you have questions about astrology, questions about sports, whatever it is, throw them in the chat and I'd be happy to to converse with you about all that. A couple things that I wanted to alert you to before we dive into it all today. Um, first of all, if you're enjoying these chats, the, the easiest thing you can do to support the work I'm doing is like this uh, live stream here today on YouTube, share it with your friends, subscribe to the channel, turn on your notifications so that you know when we're going live. Um, you can also buy me a super chat or super sticker with a little dollar sign in the chat there that supports the work that I do today. If you're feeling uh, like you want to, you know, buy me a birthday coffee or something. <laughs> That's always appreciated, but don't feel obligated. Your presence here is, is the present enough. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, you know, being able to like and subscribe really does help the work that I do here. And I have a, an email list that um, I'd love for you to sign up for. Uh, I, I've been doing a, a, a song of the week in my newsletter where I take a song, usually a song, you know, I really like music from the 80s and 90s, so some of that is coming from that direction, although there are a few things sprinkled in from other decades in there. Um, but I will take an artist that has a chart placement that is similar to where the sun is transiting through. So this week I, I put um, George Michael in the, in the, in the newsletter uh, and his song One More Try, which is a beautiful tune, one of my favorite tunes of his. Um, he actually has a Cancer II Ascendant. So I thought that that was um, just getting the vibe of somebody through their art and through their music can be a really, uh, really interesting way to learn about astrology and the Deccans in particular. So we examine the chart in the newsletter. So that's another great way to engage with astrology. Um, another announcement I have is this is really the last weekend to sign up for my guided group study, uh, summer 2023. We're going to start Monday, the 10th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be doing Secrets of the Waitsmith Smith Tarot by Marcus Katz and Tally Goodwin. We're going to be meeting every other Monday on the, in the afternoons. We're going to meet for a couple hours, and we're going to talk tarot. We're going to talk uh, some of the context of how this tarot deck was formed, the art and the, uh, the meaning. Um, we're going to connect tarot to the astrology with, excuse me, with the decans. So the, it, it's a really great um, community building experience. I've really been fortunate and grateful for the people who have shown up for those um, they contribute so much intelligence and grace, and um, we've been able to live out the astrology in real time. So if, if you want a group 
to like go through the summer retrogrades, like the Venus retrograde and things like that. If you want to be able to talk out some of that stuff in real time and connect it with tarot and astrology, it's a really great, it's a really great community that we've been building. Um, the Flowering Wand was a, a life-changing book, in my, my opinion. This was our last book that we did. We just had a, an amazing discussion group. So I would just be really, I would be really stoked if you'd join me for the guided group study summer 2023 that starts this Monday. There are payment plans available if you need some, need some assistance spreading things out. I'm always um, willing to work with you one way or the other. I, I don't want anybody to be priced out of the, of the class or, you know, if you're like, oh, I, I need to wait till my paycheck comes or whatever. Just, just send me an email. We'll figure it out. I just want your voice there in class. Um, okay. So those are my uh, sales pitches for you. I, of course, still am doing readings right now. Books are open. Um, if you need some help through these summer periods, I'd be happy to, to be your guide as well. Okay, I'm just going to keep looking through the chat here. Going to get so many friends stopping in. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Nanda Devi. Oh, she's she lived in Monterey uh, near Carolyn Perkins in Carmel Valley. That's nice. Okay. Don says, chilling is always fun to me. It fills my cup. Yeah, me too, Don. Sometimes we need to just learn how to listen to our bodies and relax a little bit. I've, I've had a lot going on in the last few weeks, and it's been just a number of things that we've been trying to work through in our personal and professional lives. And sometimes you just need to take a break and catch your breath. And I can't think of a better way to recharge on my solar return than just hanging out and taking it easy a little bit. Um, Kaylin, Art and Spirit is here. Hello, Kaylin. Nice to see you. Have a great day and make special wishes. XO from Oregon, Kaylin Swan. I think, Kaylin, are you, are you the, the individual that messaged me about a tarot deck that you're working on? Because that is very cool. So I want to amplify your signal if that's so. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of creative individuals in this community here. And um, I'm more than happy to, to support people's projects as far as like if they need any feedback on the things that they're doing astrologically or through tarot, um, I'd be happy to take a look at what you're doing and, and give you some encouragement or, I don't know, just support what you're doing by amplifying your signal. I think that there's so many wonderful creators out there. Like I, we have our friends, uh, Janet Goodspeed from Good Sigil come, stops in. She makes wonderful jewelry. I think Yevgen's here today. He makes cool stuff with, uh, you know, I think he does some um, costume design and things like that. There's all sorts of talented people here. Susanna is an amazing painter. Uh, all of you have your own skills and talents, and it's nice to be able to see those things. Um, Sabrina Luna is here. Nice to see you, Sabrina. Cheers to you. Susanna's asking, what time lord are you getting now? That's a good question, Susanna. I have Jupiter as my time lord as of 5.38 p.m. today. <laughs> so this is the end of my Saturn day here. My solar return is going to be happening at 5.38 p.m. Eastern time. So you're catching me at the very, very end of the solar year here. But we'll take a look at it together. I'm pretty excited about switching from two years of Saturn to Jupiter. And Jupiter's conjunct my midheaven uh, in the solar return chart in Taurus. So I think this is going to be a really important year. And I'll tell you some of the stories of my last solar return I, I, uh, that had Jupiter on the midheaven in a Jupiter perfection here because I went back and I looked it up. Because I thought, oh, wow, I wonder if this has happened before in the past. And sure enough, it, it did. And there was a, some really big changes that were going on then that I will share with you. 
Um, Cosmo Shiva Galaxina says, happy birthday in Venus Retro, emerging new Spencer. Yay, thank you, friend. I think that's Yevgen, so nice to see you, friend. Uh, Chase, Tracy Chaplin is here, says, I have two degrees, Cancer Sun. I'll check out the George M. chart. He is uh, my ETA. <laughs> He's, I love George Michael. I, there's a new documentary on um, a band that he was in called Wham! in the 80s that came out on Netflix, and I'm looking forward to taking a look at that as well. Um, I just think that he had such a pure voice. His tenor was so strong and pure, and he was—he had that really emotive Cancerian quality. This is one of our like superpowers, and some of our crosses to bear is as Cancerian placements. We can really um, we can make people feel how we feel, for better or for worse. I, I call it the cloud, the emotional cloud. So I really have to to be aware of my emotions and like emotional leakage and emotional boundaries. It was a great skill to have as an artist, as a musician, even as a public speaker, like a, I would maybe even consider myself a motivational speaker here. Um, because, you know, if I want to make the vibe calm, if I want to, uh, you know, be reassuring, that's something that this cancer energy can do. If I'm feeling upset, the flip side of it is, is that other people can feel my emotions very loudly. So uh, it's great to be able to put that energy into something creative like music. And and George Michael just really was able to express in a really deep way. And I miss him and I wish that he was still around and had a little bit longer, but he left us a really beautiful body of work, I think. Um, oh, the George... He is your era, Tracy says. Okay, yes. Yeah, I guess he's my era too. I, I, I was a little bit young when his stuff was coming out, but uh, it was part of my youth. You know, I'm a 19, I was born in 1980. So he was, uh, he was around when I was formulating my musical taste. <laughs> uh, Tracy says, I'd love to join the group study. Well, Tracy, there is a link pinned to the top of this chat where you can sign up. I would love to have you in class, friend. Um, I'm just, it's such a beautiful sacred space that we create together. We have a Discord group where we talk about things in between the times that we meet. We're sharing gardening pictures and pet pictures and things like that and charts and talking astrology and tarot. Um, it's just a really nice space that we're creating, I think. So yeah, click that link and sign up. We're going to be starting on Monday. Um, oh, yes, Kaylin says, yes, 12 Keys to the Tarot has astrology and Kabbalah in it. Nice. So, yeah, Kaylin is, um, I'm going to be, hopefully I can give some guidance with that and, and check out Kaylin's, I believe there's going to be a Kickstarter uh, at some point soon. So keep us in the loop, Kaylin, on how that's going. And um, we'll try to amplify your signal here and, um, you know, support the work that you're doing. All right, so Tracy says, happy birthday, fellow Cancerian. All right. Yeah, we got a lot of Cancers here in the chat today. Um, Tanya says, I always say this, but the Waite Smith Tarot deck is one of the most important and enduring occult works of art. Its usefulness and importance really can't be overstated. I agree, Tanya. Um, it, it's, it is a fundamental and seminal work that many, many decks are built off of many future decks, many future creative decks, and learning the context that it was born under, as well as how to use it. This book isn't just history. This, this book here is, is really, it's historical, it's contextual, but it's also a guide on how to do spreads and how to do um, you know, card meanings and things of that nature. 
Um, I'm just really excited to dive into it. It look it looks like a thick book, but you know, there's a lot of space, you know, in the pages. So don't get intimidated by the size of the book. Um, we try to keep the reading assignments manageable for the time that we do things. And I know that life happens and things like that, but please join me if you can. Um, Susanna says, so we're both switching to benefics. Yay. You, you says that Susanna is a cancer who has her birthday coming up tomorrow or Sunday, I think. Right. Susanna, uh, say my Mars perfection ends and my Venus will be my time Lord starting tomorrow. There you go. Yeah. So that'll be nice. I'm, I'm looking forward to the switch to the benefic, uh, time Lord for sure. Carolyn has a question. It says, people say, I have no earth in my chart or no water, etc. cetera. Uh, they have an idea. This is a catastrophe. There's little in any of my astral books. Any suggestions regarding addressing this with clients? That's interesting, Carolyn. Like uh, seeing the different elemental balance in a chart. I think that uh, we all have strengths and weaknesses. We all have different areas of our life where we may have a little bit more flow and more ease of being. And with the different elemental kind of mindsets, um, for example, someone with a lot of air in their chart may be a little bit uh, quicker with their thought processes or something of that nature where they are able to think a little bit more abstractly, whereas someone who has a lot of earth in their chart may be more concrete. We need both types of people in the world. Uh, if you have a lot of water in your chart, you could, be, you could have pretty high emotional intelligence or have a lot of feelings, deep feelings. Um, and sometimes some people who, ha who lack some water in their chart really struggle with emotions. And, but I do think that everyone has a certain set of human characteristics. Everyone does have, you know, water, earth, air, and fire parts of their chart because every single house is represented in a natal chart. So there are parts of your life that may require a, a, an earthier type of experience, even if you don't have a planet in that particular place. You may have, let's say that you are a Leo rising, such as myself, but you don't have any planets in earth signs, but your second house is an earth sign. It's like Virgo would be on the second house cusp. You may need to be very practical about your finances and about how you support yourself and be very organized in detail since Virgo is on that particular cusp. And then you'd want to look at the placement of Mercury to see what kind of themes and, and topics may you look to to be able to bring in resources. For example, you'll see in my chart today, I'm going to go over my solar return chart today. You'll see in my solar return chart and in my natal chart, I have Mercury ruling my second house, retrograde in the 12th house in Cancer. So my means of expression, my communication ability can help bring resources into my life. Um, and it may be through distance, right? I had a wonderful astrologer friend. I just bought their book. This is another book I just uh acquired. This is called Antitia, Secrets in the Mirror by Elizabeth Hazel, who is a local astrologer in Detroit, Michigan. Or no, no, she's in Toledo, Toledo, Ohio. She's, I know she's around my area somewhere, but she's been writing all these wonderful books, including a fixed star book, little book of fixed stars. Really love that book. And um, I just had a random conversation with her, maybe even a few years ago now, but I was trying to ask her about having the second house ruler in the 12th. And she was like, oh, that's, you know, because I, I had a lot of mental hangups about it. We often take on narratives about some of our chart placements that can be really limiting beliefs. And I, I think I had some of those and she framed it for me in a way that was very different saying, that, oh, that's really about um, being able to make your income maybe from, from a distance, from, uh, 
from maybe the internet, from liminal spaces, which the 12th house can represent. And sure enough, I've been making a living doing these kind of live streams and working with clients all over the world uh, through the internet and through, you know, these liminal spaces that we call uh, the digital realm here. So that's really, it's really fascinating to me to see how that all turns out. So I do think elemental balance can be learned over time, Carolyn, as well. I think that if you, like, say, you lack some earth in your chart, you may be able to learn how to do things more practically. Um, if you have a little bit of a, you know, like, a, let's say you have a, a fire, um, a fire, uh, focus in your chart. You may be really passionate about things. You may want to take action, but you may have to learn to slow down a little bit. And it just takes practice. When we lack certain elemental qualities in the chart, that kind of energy may just not come as naturally as it would to someone else, but it doesn't mean you can't learn it. I hope that answers your question. Carolyn says, I'd like to join the group also. Is it a real problem if I can't get the book before Monday? No, Carolyn, it's not. Um, we will talk about the book, but um, yeah, if you order the book and it comes a few days later, it, it'll be great. There's, there is not a reading assignment that's due before Monday, um, so you'll be good to go. I would love to have you in class there, Carolyn. That would be great. Um, okay, let's see. Yeah, Monique says, lots of cancers here. My birthday is Sunday. Happy birthday, Monique. These are my, my second Deccan Cancer birthday buddies, Susanna and Monique. Um, no, and it's it's nice to celebrate us Cancerians. We I think a lot of times we tend to try to nurture uh, other people and and taking time for ourselves and and maybe claiming some of the love that we give to others isn't always comfortable or natural. And I think on our birthdays, it's maybe the one day we can be like, "Yay, I could be supported too." <laughs> so I think it's nice. It's fun. Um, KP1231 is here, says hi, Spencer, and all happy birthday to you. Thank you, friend, from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Lynn McMillan is here. Happy birthday, Spencer. Ooh, I love the chocolate bar. Nice to see you, Lynn. Um, Lynn's been a great contributor to our group studies as well. Looking forward to seeing you again in there, friend. Carol is here, mortal and wild. Happy birthday, Spencer. Just got here listening while cooking. Well, I hope it's something delicious, and thank you for the birthday wishes. Uh, Al Nash says, I also have the second house ruler in the 12th. Love that reframe as I've been doing telehealth for the past few years. See, perfect. See, this, this is what I love hearing people's stories like this because there's so many different manifestations. So not only are you doing something remotely, but you're doing something maybe in the health field with like, you know, which has something to do with hospitals, with people maybe that are having a difficult time. I think that this is another thing that I realized is that I can support myself through doing work on helping to alleviate other people's suffering. So if you have something in the 12th house, you may look to uh, finding empathy and compassion through that work. And that could be a way to support yourself. There's always ways to reframe things, right? So yeah, that's, that's a great story there, um, El Nash, for sure. Okay. Dimphy is here. Hello, Dimphy. Nice to see you, friend. Hope your garden is going well. I've been seeing some nice pictures of your garden. Uh, Tanya Gerardo, happy birthday, Spencer, and all your cancer friends. Nice to see you, Tanya. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you, friends, for stopping in. This is great. I was thinking about what I want to do for my birthday, and, you know, I'm still a little bit of a hermit, and I think getting together with my 
my internet friends is something that fills me with joy and I find a lot of peace and satisfaction doing that. So here we are, it's a party. So what I'd like to do, unless there's some any other questions that are coming up, I'm just gonna show you my solar return. Let's talk a little bit about solar return charts. And if you have any questions that come up, feel free to put them in the chat. So I'm gonna pull, first of all, my natal chart. So we always start with a natal chart with a solar return. And then when we bring up a second chart here in Astral Gold, we go and we select a subsidiary chart in this particular program. Okay. And what we're doing is we're, you, you can't see this pop-up that came up, but we're looking at the planet return or ingresses on the menu that pops up. And we're returning to the solar point where the sun was when you were born. So in this case, the sun is returning. Oop, this is my 2022 chart. So you have to make sure that it's the right, the right time. Okay. Oh boy. Sorry, it's skipping around for gotta get this one right here. Let's let's do 7 p.m. There it is. No. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'll get it. Thank you for your patience. Let's just look at the day after. Okay, here is my solar return for 2023. You have to be careful when you're looking at this because you want to get you want to make sure that the year is right. If you if you calculate it for a time that isn't your is that is before your birthday, it'll give you the solar return for the previous year. And if you do it for something that is a little bit after, like I was I had put in July seventh, twenty twenty four, just to try to get the next chart, but it was for the next one. So, uh, so what we're looking at with a solar return, okay, is a chart where the sun returns to the exact position it was when you were born. So that doesn't always happen exactly on the day and time of your birth. Sometimes it can be the day before, sometimes it can be the day after because the, the solar year shifts a little bit each year. Sometimes there's like leap year days and things like that. So, um, so what we're looking at is my solar return for July 7th, 2023. I've got my natal chart on the inside and the solar return chart on the outside. Now there's two things that I like to look at. First of all, you want to have the placements of the solar return chart contextualized within your natal chart. Okay, that's the first thing, okay? Um, and Carolyn is asking, you don't move it to where you're living now. No, I don't. That There is a number of different modes of thinking with that. Some astrologers will move it to wherever you are at at that moment. Other astrologers keep it to the point of your birth. I'm one of the astrologers that keeps it at the point of our, my birth. Um, I don't have a great rationalization for that, but that's the way I've always done it. And I've, I've kind of, uh, I preach the concept of entrainment which basically if you're using a technique, try to be repeatable, make it repeatable so that you're in training the divine to be able to speak to you through that particular technique consistently. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna look at where the placements are in the chart. I'm also over the course of this going to look at the chart itself. Okay, if I'm gonna switch it around, so just look at the chart, the solar return chart itself. 
and see if there's overlaps with my houses, see where the placements are in that chart itself as well. But first of all, what, what I do first when I'm looking in a solar return chart, and these are the things that I would do if you did a three month transit reading at your birthday or something too, I would look at, what I like to do is take a wide angle lens for the year and then eventually uh, focus it down to more detailed analysis with transits. But thinking about what the perfected house is for the year and the Time Lord planet are really important, especially within the solar return, in my opinion. Okay, so the first thing that we do is we acknowledge that we have the sun in the correct position. And in my case, the sun is at 15 degrees and 33 minutes of cancer in the 12th house. Okay. And then the next thing I like to do with the solar return chart is I, I try to figure out which, the, which is the um, perfected, annual perfected house. So annual perfections is a technique where you, um, you advance the chart or profect the chart. That means advancement to advance. Uh, one house for every year of the life. So for example, we're starting out with zero to one in the first house, one to two, two to three, third house, three to four, fourth house, and so along around the wheel. And then we, we always have like these kind of like uh, these 12 year cycles because we've got 12 houses. So we've got year zero to one, and then we have year 12 to 13. And then it comes back around year 24 to 25, 36 to 37, and so on and so forth. So I'm in the middle of a cycle that started when I was 36 years old. When I was 36 years old, I was in a first house perfection year, and that was in 2016. And in that case, my time lord was the sun because I'm a Leo rising and the sun rules uh, Leo. So I would have looked at what my son was doing in 2016. And then I advance it. So we got 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43. So that puts me, I was born in 1980. So at 43 years of age, as of today, I am in an eighth house perfection year. So what that means is that we have to look at the topics of the eighth house that could be themes that come up. We also are going to look at what planet rules the eighth house in my chart. In this case, it's Jupiter because my eighth house is Pisces. We also are going to look at where Jupiter is in my, in my solar return chart and how it relates to my natal charts. In this case, it's in Taurus, and it's very close to my midheaven, which is, which is important. We also want to look at what planets are in the perfected house um, when you have the solar return date. Okay, So in this case, Saturn is retrograde in the solar return chart. The moon is there in Pisces, so that gives me some more information about where my, I don't know, emotions may be lying. Uh, you know, Neptune is there as well, and the IC of the chart is there as well. So what we're doing is we're looking for these overlaps. And I see Janet has entered the chat. Happy birthday, Spencer. Nice to see you, Janet. I gave you a shout out and your wonderful work at Good Sigil uh, earlier in the chat, if you had, are just stopping in. We're talking solar returns here. Um, so one thing that we can do is say, okay, what types of themes may be activated in my natal chart? Okay, by having Jupiter activated. In my case, Jupiter is in Virgo, which is its exile. It rules both the fifth house and the eighth house. Okay, so it is bringing resources to both of those houses. And it does witness both of those houses, albeit 
by a square to the fifth, and by opposition to the eighth. So what can we glean from that? My Jupiter is what is called the benefic of sect. It means it's the, the, the benefic that has political power in the chart because I am a solar birth, I'm a day birth. So that means that the sun, Jupiter, and Saturn are, are supported with political power in the chart, whereas Mars, Venus, and the moon are out of sect, okay? And in this case, Mercury is also out of sect in this chart because it rises after the sun. That's how we determine which sect Mercury is in. So in this case, Mercury is rising after the sun, okay? So it is of the lunar sect. So this is a really interesting condition to me. And thank you, Michelle, for the super sticker. I appreciate you, friend. Um, so what we are doing is, you know, I'm kind of starting, starting off with a Jupiter in the first second of Virgo type of energy today. I'm teaching, right? So Virgo, first second Virgo, is associated with the eight of pentacles and it's really about craftsmanship it's really about learning your trade or teaching kind of the the rules of of incarnation um there's a a, a daimon or spirit with that decan called thamus and thamus was like the a teacher of divine law um so i feel like this year for me in particular if i was if i was giving myself a reading there may be teaching that brings me income and there i may be expanding my profile uh because jupiter in the solar return is in the 10th house right on the midheaven uh, that's a very powerful position for jupiter uh when it's angular that's bringing a lot of good fortune and i've been really thinking about expanding uh, my offerings this particular year I have some different responsibilities as my life continues to change and I need to change some of the ways that I do things and expand my offerings. And quite frankly, I need to start bringing some more resources in. So that's, that's something that has been on my mind. And to me, it shows that this may be supported during this year. Now, the challenge with Jupiter and Virgo is that it's in its exile. So that can be a little bit of a challenging placement for any planet being in its exile. It's not a death sentence for the planet. It just means that it's in a house that it is not normally comfortable in. In this case, Jupiter is in the house of Mercury. Jupiter is a planet that likes to see the big picture. It likes to unify things. It likes to bring things together, bring order to things. Um, Mercury is a planet that likes to destabilize. It likes to question things. It's a skeptical planet. So when we have Jupiter, a planet associated sometimes with faith, in the, the sign of the skeptic, uh, <laughs> or in the sign of, of examining things to their minutiae, right rather than seeing the broader view sometimes and you all have probably experienced this on this channel but maybe it, it still works for you sometimes i can get really uh, down in the weeds and detailed um, some people really appreciate that about my work and other people who probably aren't even here anymore it's it's too much for them right so you know for for reference every single thing that i do for my astrology channel, I make, you know, two to three to four pages of notes for whether it's a, a reading, whether it's one of these talks, um, I prepare probably more information than I can even use. But I like being over prepared. I like being I, I would my biggest fear, I think, is being under prepared for something. So this Jupiter is helping me to do that. Now, another little uh, interesting 
side note about Jupiter in Virgo 1. There's a fixed star in this particular decade, this 10 degree section of Virgo, uh, is specifically at seven degrees of Virgo called Thuban. So my Jupiter is, is conjunct a fixed star called Thuban, and that is a dragon that is guarding the one of the, the, the pole, really, the, um, the, the garden of immortality on the pole. It is, a, it is in the constellation Draco, which circles the pole. And the ancients thought of that as a place of immortality because it didn't ever rise or set. It just kind of appeared in the night sky, right? Because it, it, didn't, it wasn't part of that ecliptical motion quite as much as some of the other uh, constellations that would sometimes appear and disappear at different times of the year. So Thuban is a, a message to not hoard material possessions or information. In this case, in Virgo, it's my it's teaching. It's it's information. It's to, I've had to learn how to to be uh, a channel for information. So I do have. I think if you came into my house, you you probably could say that I like books. Do I hoard books? Mm, eh, debatable. <laughs> like, probably a little bit. But what I've learned is that when I share the information that I learn from those books, rather than keep it secret, more information, more books, more guidance come to me. Okay, so I've had to learn to, to release my grip a little bit on, uh, you know, having to be the only one that knows something. That's something that maybe I felt that way at some point in, when I was younger, but it's, it's always kind of been not really part of my personality. If I like something, I love to share it with people. I love to share information. I love to share music. I love to share things of that nature. The only thing where I'm a little territorial is my, my space in my house. I don't really like sharing space <laughs> in my house. I need, a, I need a private sanctuary where I can go to to just relax without anyone else's energy in that space. And I've had to learn how to work through some of those challenges. So I hope that this has been, you know, is, is helpful as I've been kind of breaking down the, the Time Lord planet. And thank you, Don, for your super sticker. I appreciate you. Uh, Don says, I submitted your name this morning to Astrology Hub as a potential teacher for next year. Nice, Don. Thank you. That would be great. I would love to, to work with them in that capacity. Uh, Monique says, yes, time to mentor me this year, Spencer. Stop hoarding information. Uh, <laughs> I, I try to be generous with my time and my energy and things like that. So yes, I'd be more than happy to, to uh, help you on your journey, Monique. Um, and yeah, I would love to, anytime any of you want to uh, suggest me as a teacher or, or spread the word about this channel or the work that I do, that is one of the greatest gifts that you can give me is word of mouth is so important. It's, it's something that um, is really uh, a great gift that you can give to somebody that you want to support because it just helps us to get, you know, out into the world and in new corners of the world. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, Carolyn says, loving to share. Isn't that Leo Ascendant? I mean, that could be part of it. I think that there's so many different ways we can interpret different parts of our charts and, and find generosity within it. I think that, I don't know if Virgo necessarily, just as a sign as a whole, would be considered a place of generosity. It doesn't mean if you're a Virgo, you're not generous. It just means that 
the, the part that I'm pulling on is specifically the fixed star uh, Thuban, which really gives you a warning not to hoard your, your whatever it is, your information, your resources. I've seen people that have malefics on Thuban. Like, so let's say you have Saturn or Mars on Thuban at seven degrees of Virgo or somewhere around there. I've seen people like that have some real problems with, with either sharing or hoarding things in their houses and things like that. And, and when we talk about it, there's, it, it, sometimes it can be harder to let go. Okay. So we all have placements that are going to be more or less difficult to work with. Um, okay. Let's see. Michelle says, ah, to have Spencer as a teacher, I meant to write. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, when we do these guided group studies, when we do these book clubs, they're basically classes as well. We are sharing with one another, but, you know, through, through the facilitating that I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of teaching in those classes as well. So those are also opportunities to learn, not only to learn about what's in the book, but to learn how to contextualize that within your astrological and tarot work as well. So I love, I love teaching. I've, I've been a teacher um, probably since my late teens, early 20s. I've taught guitar, private lessons. I taught group songwriting classes at a community college. I've taught astrology classes. I just, I love sharing information. And I think you could see that with Jupiter in that second house and in the first decan of Virgo. Um, Don says they're sending out a survey soon. Suggestions for next year. Immediately thought of Spencer. Such a good so Oh, thank you, Don. Yeah, appreciate you spreading the word. Appreciate that for sure. Uh, Michelle says, I'm a Virgo sun cap rising in Leo moon. I love to give. Maybe it's my Leo moon. You know, like I said, there are not, not every single sign um, has, it, well, how do I phrase it? Let me phrase it in the right way. Any sign can be either generous or can be miserly, I think. So I think that it's not just like if you're a Virgo and you're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not a hoarder or things like that. There, there, there are so many generous Virgos out there too. Like, and it's all a combination. It's not just one planet in your chart. There may be one area of your chart where you feel a little bit more tight fisted about something if you have a particular placement, but it's all a combination of things. And yes, non Debbie, some Capricorns can be very generous. Other Capricorns can be very much hoarders. I mean, I'm thinking of a guy like Jeff Bezos, how much money does a guy like that need? right? Maybe he does some philanthropy, but who knows? Like, like I said, every, every sign has pluses and minuses, good and bad qualities. Um, so, so try not to, to put yourself or other people in a box when you're doing this work. Okay. Thank you, Susanna, for the super sticker. I appreciate you. Um, okay. So that's, that's, that's the first thing that I would do if you came to me with a solar return request or wanting to see what was going on for the year ahead. I would look at which planet in your chart was activated and what it means in your chart. So, for example, because Jupiter rules the fifth house and the eighth house, I can probably expect to either have something, you know, to have a focal point have be my creativity, maybe my my child, my daughter, eighth house could be shared resources could be a focal point as well like like inheritance issues all of those things could come up with jupiter ruling the fifth and the eighth house okay you also want to look at what types of aspects are activated when you have a perfection in uh, as well so like 
with the eighth house, it's an aversion to the ascendant. So we're not going to have a ton of aspects activated, in my opinion, although the aspects to the natal planet might be activated. But let's say that you have like the seventh house activated. There might be oppositions that are activated within the chart. Or if you have the uh, 10th house, there could be some squares that are activated. Okay, like the relationship to the ascendant is one thing that we look at. Um, I would move next to the position of Jupiter in the chart. And in this case, in my solar return chart, Jupiter is placed in the 10th house. Uh, it is also placed in the 6th house of the solar return chart. So you want to look at sort of the overlapping themes that you'd see. So Jupiter in my own chart, here's something really cool. So this tells me that this, is, this probably is a pretty career-focused year. Jupiter in my natal chart is going to be in overlapping with the 10th house of my solar return chart, okay? Somewhat near the midheaven. And Jupiter in my natal, in my solar return chart is going to be on the midheaven of my natal chart. So do you see how these two things are communicating with one another? That says that Jupiter is going to be contributing to a 10th house type of energy, both my natal Jupiter and my solar return Jupiter. So if I was uh, advising a client that was having this, I'd say, there's probably going to be some, some movement in your career this year, with some expansion. You may be doing a lot of teaching. You may be trying to figure out uh, what things mean. Jupiter is a planet that helps us find meaning. So there may be a lot of questions with that. I, I have in my mind the dates that Jupiter is going to be retrograding. Jupiter is going to retrograde exactly conjoining my natal moon. So I'm anticipating this early September uh, energy where I may have to reevaluate what I'm doing. Okay, I have some plans that are that are uh, brewing right now, and when I get to that point, I, I fully anticipate there are going to be maybe some either some delays or some reevaluations potentially around it. So if you know that in advance, though, that can help bring you some objectivity to that, so that you're not blindsided by it. Okay. It doesn't mean you should fear it. It just means that there might be some reevaluation or re reworking some things. I think that this this is always in context of bigger changes that we have in our life. And for me, there's been a lot of changes in the last few years. My my mother passed last year. My daughter went off to college. Um, we became homeowners. There's been lots of changes that require different um, approaches to life. And the things that worked in the past that were the right answers at that time may no longer be the right answers, whether that has to do with how I organize my business or, or how I see myself or things of that nature, or the, the either expanding beliefs or the limiting beliefs I may have had. Like I've, I have some, some challenges with, uh, I've had some scarcity mindset challenges in my life. And you could probably see this with, you know, the 12th house sun and Mercury with some, with both malefics in the second house, okay, there's, I've had some really, I've had some times of scarcity in my life, some of which were very much self-imposed because of my disappointment and I would say even aversion to some of the ways that society was organized. So I understand that. So I'm trying to work through some of those beliefs about how can we have a, an ethical uh, expansion. Does that make sense? Like, and, and capitalism does this to us. It, it forces us into these ethical quandaries a lot of the time. 
And it's something that I felt very, very acutely. And it, it has held me back in a lot of ways. So I'm, those are the things that I'm working through. Maybe some repressed beliefs with the eighth house being activated around money, around how I give and receive it, around what is possible, around my value, right? Like this is something that we think about with the second and eighth house axis is our, our value in relationships to others. I will say that I, I, I give away a lot of my, my teachings here and sometimes I receive proper energy exchange and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm okay with it and sometimes I'm like, I probably should have had better boundaries. So those are all things that you think about when you're having a second and eighth house kind of uh, energy as well. Okay. I would say that way I've erred on this on the side of being generous with my time. I'm really someone who doesn't hasn't really been great about uh, I don't really enjoy putting things behind a paywall. Uh, I, I, f I feel like information should be out there. But I think that one of the things I've really tried to rely on is the generosity of my community to to understand that I'm putting this energy out there and like hope that it's reciprocated without forcing a reciprocation i guess that if that makes sense and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't so that these are some of the things i'm trying to think through as i move forward with trying to expand is where do we need to set a boundary where do we say this is our value and this is what this information or this time is worth i don't have the great solution to it and i think we're all just living through the answers okay um so i hope that helps to explain the Time Lord, Jupiter. Okay, Jupiter in the second decan of Taurus could suggest uh, some really beneficial exchanges. This, this is associated with the Six of Pentacles. Uh, this is a, a, an energy of exchange, whether you're receiving benefits from others or whether you're giving to others. So this might be something where I'm either receiving great benefits in my career or maybe gifting something to somebody as well. So I think it, it works both ways. So I'll, I'll have to keep that in mind as I go through my year as one of the times to give and one of the times to receive. And I think a, a balance, a healthy balance of those two things is gonna be important moving forward. Um, I think the other thing you would look at in the solar return with the, with the Time Lord planet is what aspects are the other planets making? In this case, we do have uh, Venus, its host, in a square. Uh, Mars is square Jupiter. So there may be some challenges to uh, figuring out who you are during this period of time or who I am, I guess, if I'm looking at my own solar return. Like when we're shifting how we express ourselves publicly, sometimes we go through some shifts of identity and how we think about ourselves and what we are in the world. Um, you know, a lot of you have come over from the Nightlight uh, cohort over there, and our good friend Adam Elmas has gone through a lot of changes in the past year that he's been very public about as well. So he's gone through some of that as he's expressed who he is and, and what he's all about. Um, I don't know if I'm going through that exact experience, but I think that we're all changing and we're all going through uh, shifts of consciousness Hopefully, if we're continuing to grow and to keep in alignment with changing to meet the needs of our current circumstances, that'll, we, we will be allowed 
the grace to have different expressions as we go along. Oftentimes it's very difficult to make changes because especially when you do public work like this, a lot of times people come to expect you to be or do some things in a certain way. And then when you start making changes that, that can be really uh, disruptive to some folks. And I think that, I think we need to allow our, our teachers, our astrologers, our artists, we need to allow them to change because change keeps us, it keeps us relevant. It keeps us current. It keeps us meeting the needs of the time. Think of these artists that were timeless. I'm thinking of people like David Bowie, you know, who was able to make adjustments for the time and kept evolving as an artist. And he probably upset some people at various times. But when you look back at the entirety and the whole of his career, you can really see that there was something beautiful to it. There was there was even some threads of coherence to all of it, right? He was just changing with his interest and with the times and meeting the needs of the people, which is what a good artist can do. And I want, and thank you so much, Sarah Renee Marshall, for your super sticker. And thank you, Modern Goldilocks, for your super sticker. I appreciate you, friends. Um, this is a lovely energy exchange that we're doing here today. Um, Modern Goldilocks says, happy birthday, Spencer. My cancer twins turn 26 tomorrow. That's cool. Okay, well, happy birthday to your, to your twins. And I hope they have a good solar return as well. Many of the things that we're talking about here today will probably apply to you if you have a, a birthday around this time. You may have a different time, Lord. You may have a different ascendant, but some of the aspects are probably going to be similar. They may be in different houses, but uh, it, it's an interesting exercise. So my, my professional expansion could put a little bit of pressure on my body, on which hills that I'm willing to defend or to die on and which things I need to let go. The third decan of Leo shows us the seven of wands and someone defending their authenticity and right to be. I, I really think about this card as which hills are you willing to die on? What, which, which, how much energy do you need to have courageously defending the, the turf that you've established on some level? And I will say that sometimes I get really fixated on a certain concept that I am unwilling to budge on. And other times I've had to learn to just let that go and say, you know what, that's not worth fighting about. Um, one thing I'm feeling really strongly about as I move into my 43rd year is um, protecting the environment and being a, a voice for trying to uh, do more things to help out our, our plant and animal friends and to, to be an advocate for changing our lifestyles in our modern society to be able to meet the needs of the challenges that we're facing with climate change and with the growing number of weather, uh, severe weather challenges and rising temperatures and things like that. To me, that is a, a heritage that I have from my family who were, one side of my family was very much into conservation as college professors, biology and genetics professors at Purdue and Carroll College in Wisconsin, respectively. And my mom was a gardener and, and really appreciated the earth. And so that's a legacy I feel very strongly about and I'm willing to maybe rustle a few feathers over, you know, and, and I hope that it's not too severe, but uh, this is the thing with third decan Leo, it's a Mars ruled decan. So you may have to think about how are you going to courageously face 
the challenges that that you are um, that are necessary to to stand up for in your life. What happens when your back is against the wall? Um, I've, we've had some shifts in our situation here where where we're trying to change our material circumstances to be able to afford um, some of our responsibilities and that takes courage and that takes a, a, an ability to, to make some changes in in our life like you know Tanya and I together as, as trying to move forward in our life in some level and then how does that fit in with our culture how does that fit in with the the challenges of living in late-stage capitalism how can we be expansive while also understanding that sometimes we will have to reduce our dependence on things like comfort and excess in in this uh i don't know pre-apocalyptic <laughs> time that we see i don't know i don't i think that we still need to maintain hope but i do think that major changes are, are coming or are here and that we need to adjust accordingly um so that's that's one thing that I look at in this chart. You can also see that that they're separating uh, squares to Uranus with Venus and Mars. I'm a, I've just come off of a uh, a Mercury return, so this could also suggest make some suggestions as far as like how I might be able to communicate this year. All right, with Mercury in the third decan of of Cancer, that decan is associated with the Four of Cups. And there is questions of scarcity versus abundance in this decan. And I will say from personal experience, having Mercury in this decan, retrograde in the 12th, a lot of my beliefs about money and supporting myself have been a lot of back and forth about uh, if I am benefiting, is it taking away from someone else? Or if someone else is benefiting, is it taking away from me? Do you see what I'm saying? There's, there's questions like that. I've had a lot of thoughts about, I don't know, I, I'm someone who, who wants to support everyone in the community. I'm not someone who really enjoys the competition that is inherent in our modern society. Uh, so competing with, even with some of my friends as astrologers, like thinking about, Oh, if I offer something, is that going to take away resources from someone else who's offering something similar? That's something that always is running through my mind. And I think that the shift in belief is that there is, a, there is enough to go around, number one. And number two is that we have, um, let me see, I'm losing my train of thought here. There is enough to go around that there are, oh, that's what, there are so many different perspectives right? There are different perspectives that we have in life. And even if you're teaching a similar concept, having it filtered through a different voice could be the key that unlocks that particular concept for you as a student. So being able to learn from different teachers will give you multiple perspectives so that you can get to the core essence of that particular concept. So this is something I'm having to remind myself with that is that just because someone else is offering a similar topic or something like that does not mean that it's been filtered through my my own perspective, my own consciousness, my own voice, and that my voice is something that may help unlock this for a particular individual, whereas maybe some, it being filtered through someone else may be, unlock a different concept for them that maybe they won't get through me or something of that nature. So it works both ways. And this is true if you are thinking about 
jumping into any field where you feel, I don't know, I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily imposter syndrome. I think it's more about, I don't know, feeling like, oh, what do I have to offer this? There's people that are already doing this. What do, what do I have to offer as an individual? And I think it's important to, to believe in yourself that your voice and your experiences are important and are unique. I think that's the other thing. Your, your experiences are unique. While also you may be able to, sh by sharing them, people may also see some truth and some connection to their experience. And, and that's how you can guide people as well. This is why I'm so open on this channel. I'm pretty open about my life. And I, I hope that by being open about how I'm feeling, what my life is like, without, you know, I don't know, without whitewashing everything or making everything, I don't know, putting a lens over it. Uh, and we all do that to a certain degree. And I'm, I can be guilty of that sometimes. But I hope that by being that authentic self, whether for, for better or for worse, it allows other people to share their authentic feelings. Because the reality of it is, is that unless you're super, super blessed or, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if naive is the right word, but um, everyone has some challenges in life. And I think that in modern society where a lot of us are, are pushed to, to put this mask on of everything being okay. And I want to make it okay for everything to not be okay. Uh, because we're heading into some times where everything isn't okay. A lot of things are okay, but a lot of things aren't. And we need to be honest about that with ourselves. So there's freedom that comes with that. There's, there's healing and catharsis that comes with that. And that's, I think, really important to, to remember. Okay, I'm checking in with the chat here. Monique says, there's enough for everyone. Everyone has their own unique way of offering similar content. Yes, I agree, Monique, for sure. Gabriel Rosas is here. Happy birthday. Thank you, Gabe. Nice to see you, friend. This is another example. Gabe is a brilliant astrologer, and we were talking about Virgo earlier. And Gabe is one of the most generous Virgo people I've ever seen going, or, or I don't know if we've met in person, Gabe, but I, I've observed your generosity and your ability to build people up on social media and things of that nature, and just your brilliance as an astrologer. So I think that it's, there's so many ways we can express that and so much room for all, the polyphony of voices, the different melodies that come together to make a symphony, whether it's a, in a community of astrologers or a community of people in, in society. So Gabe, welcome, and I'm glad you're here, friend. Thank you for the birthday wishes. Uh, Don says, I tell people this all the time. If we could do this with our children too, it would help them ease into adulthood so much more easily. Communication and sharing. Yes, Don, for sure. I agree with that. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, allowing our children to have their own voice too, right? Without thinking that, you know, we're going to be usurped. There's all these stories in mythology of sons and daughters usurping their parents. And I think there's, sometimes we have a fear of that. Uh, of of dreams that we had that maybe went unlived and and we can react differently when our our children reflect that success or failure back to us through their choices and just allowing them to be themselves and to, to go about their own lives and and sing their particular song is important it's been a it's been a challenging lesson for me my my beautiful daughter has uh a 20 degree Leo ascendant. <laughs> so we have a lot in common, actually, even though she's a Capricorn son. 
Um, so there's been a lot of like mirroring with her and trying to figure out what is our own individual path versus the other's individual path. Uh, Carolyn says, also important to read about the Dunning-Kruger effect. People how with low ability overestimate their value and knowledge, while high performers tend to underestimate their abilities. That's a, that's a good point, Carolyn. I think humility is important there. I, I think that when I was going through the Nightlight program, which was, which was wonderful, um, I think that Adam talked about this quite a bit. Like sometimes that self-doubt that you have about doing the work is an important humility to come to it. If, if you're feeling a little bit overconfident about your ability and that, you're, that, that oftentimes what that will lead to is a stagnation in learning. If you feel like you have enough information, um, which it's, there's a balance, I, I will say. There's a balance to this, what I'm about to say, but if, if you, sometimes we, when we feel like we, when we overestimate our abilities, Carolyn, like you're saying, we stop learning, we stop uh, growing, and that can cause us to start to make mistakes. So that little bit of nagging doubt that you might have about doing whatever that you're doing is going to drive you to greatness, but it has to be balanced out with sometimes the sense of satisfaction too. Like, I think that we can continue to grow while still believing in ourselves, right? Without completely eviscerating ourselves. I, this is something I did as a musician, as a young musician, with all this Virgo stack up here, friends. I had a lot of confidence problems as a young person. It would, it would really swing wildly from, from feeling that, like, you know, Leo, like, wow, I can't believe that came from me. Like, I can't believe that came out of my mouth or came out of my guitar. Like, it was this sense of awe at just whatever had just channeled through me to like constantly analyzing every single detail of, of a performance. I would record every single performance that I have and I would be merciless about um, my singing and my guitar playing and the recording and process to the point where I was just, you know, self-flagellating in some points and, and listening back now on things that I thought were bad a long time ago, I, was, I could see some of the, the beauty in just the expression of that moment, right? So how can we be satisfied with what, what is coming from us in the moment while still being open to growth, I think is the right balance to strike. Dawn says, I pray my daughter surpasses me and makes the world a better place. Amen to that, Dawn, me too. Uh, the, the children can give us hope for the future a lot of the time. So, uh, but, but we, we still have a responsibility, even if we have kids right now. If you're of an older generation, myself included, uh, we still have work to do. <laughs> we can't just put it all on them. Our choices still matter. Um, even if we're in the last third of our life, we still can make changes so that we leave them a better world to, to inhabit and their, their kids and their grandkids. It's that seven generations principle. It's not just about what we can uh, collect for the last years of our life and, and how much pleasure we can give ourselves for the last years of our existence. It's, it's how, what legacies are we going to leave behind? And those things are super important. Uh, Jennifer is here. Hello, Jennifer. Nice to see you. Happy birthday, Spencer. Well, thank you for the birthday wishes, friend. Reverend Kai is here. I'm an hour late, but catching up. Oh, you're never late. These are just slightly informal chats where you could stop in at any point and hopefully there's some value here for you. Okay, so what we're doing is breaking down my solar return chart for the year and doing a little bit of a class, like an impromptu class on solar returns and, and how I do it. There's, gonna, there's one thing to keep in mind, just like I was talking about, that there's different voices 
that you can filter information through. Different astrologers and diviners use different techniques. They use things different ways. Um, there's going to be some astrologers here. They're like, well, that's not how I do it. And, and that's okay. I, 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 that is a, um, an example of how we can entrain ourselves again to the techniques that we use and use them consistently. If you're getting accurate results with the techniques that you're using, then I think it's a valid technique. Okay. This has worked pretty well for me, I would say. Um, so the other thing you want to look at is the planets that are in the perfected house. So here we have Saturn retrograde. I can't escape Saturn. I've, I've just gone through two perfections, <laughs> Saturn perfection years with Saturn in those respective signs, Saturn in Capricorn and Saturn in Aquarius. And while those houses were activated and it's been heavy, I mean, it's been a lot going on this past year, like lots of endings, lots of responsibilities. Uh, you know, my mom passing, uh, my daughter going off to college and, and all the challenges with that, like dealing with being a homeowner and, and things of that nature. It's, it's just been a very heavy time. There's been some wonderful things that have come out of it, but it's been, uh, it's been very Saturnian, but very like heavy. And now Saturn is retrograde here in the eighth house. So there may be, again, some Saturn issues that come up. I've talked about Saturn and Pisces one as re being related to the eight of cups, where we see a figure that's going off into the, into the moors or into the, the distance. And he's leaving those eight cups, stacked cups behind. So this is a, a kind of a retreat into our imaginations. It is a search for meaning. It's sort of that energy to me where we, you know, it, it follows the seven of cups. Let's contextualize it there where we see these, all these offerings all these illusions potentially. And at, when we transition to the Eight of Cups, it's kind of like, eh, maybe none of those things is bringing us the satisfaction we thought it would. We need to go off in search of higher meaning, right? So Saturn is going to say, which things truly bring you meaning and how do you make them real? How do you concretize them? Whereas other dreams that you have, other beliefs that you have, Austin Coppock calls that deck in the labyrinth, may be limiting. You know, sometimes the beliefs we have become a prison. I've had a limiting belief about what is possible for me in my life, what, what I'm able to, how much of a channel for abundance that I'm able to be. Like, I'm, I'm not a wealthy astrologer. I, I've lived pretty close to the poverty line, somewhat willingly for a long time. And I, it's time for me to shift that belief system because circumstances require it. Circumstances are requiring me to, to be more of an open aperture for energy if I want to meet the needs of my responsibilities. So that Saturn in the eighth house is going to be like, you know, in this chart saying which of your beliefs are going to be valid and which of them are, which of them are just prisons that you're, you're self-inflicting. So this is something else that we're all going through on some level, but, but I'll probably be dealing with this over the next year is releasing some of these limiting beliefs, hopefully, to be able to move forward with my life. And you can see in this solar return chart, guess who that planet is opposing? My time lord, Jupiter. So for me to be able to create expansion and to teach and be an open aperture, there's going to be some limiting beliefs that I may have to work through about either how I'm supported or how I support others. And, you know, the the way that I put my energy out into the world and the benefits that I receive and give in that regard. Okay. Um, yeah. So 
Jennifer says, agree totally. My kids are your age and teaching me all the time. Yeah, I, my, my daughter's teaching me daily too, Jennifer. I, I hear you. Michelle says, yes, you should be a wealthy astrologer, exclamation point. You're that good. Well, I appreciate the compliment, Michelle. There's been choices I've made over the course of my career that have limited my affluence. Most of them have been willing, willingly limited. Um, some of them are confidence issues. Some of them are a rejection of the, of the, uh, the capitalistic model, which I'm still in. I've totally realized that I can't escape it. But I, I've been trying my best to, I don't know, be a good person within it. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's, I, know, I know exactly where this comes from. In addition to having uh, professors, college professors in my lineage, um, I had Mennonite deacons back in that side of the family as well. They were all teachers and uh, they were literate and they were very, that side of my family was very frugal and they believed in simplicity and living simply. The other side of my family was not like that. They lived very excessively. Um, my grandfather owned a company in Chicago and he, he did a lot of what I observed to be very unethical things um, after he inherited this company from his father, who was an immigrant from England. And he was just kind of a, he was kind of the, the spoiled rich kid of a, of a hardworking immigrant who did the hard work to start the company and he ran it into the ground and he made some really poor choices. And it really destroyed a lot of the, the, the goodwill in our family. And that was a limiting belief that I took on as a young person is that if you're wealthy, you're a bad person. And that's not necessarily true, you know, so that that, that is a that is part of that Saturn opposing Jupiter story that is baked into this natal chart that I will have to reconcile or balance out to be able to fulfill the promise of Jupiter in the, the 10th house. So and I appreciate all of you. You all are so generous here in these chats and, and you know, with my work and whatnot. So I appreciate all of you. Um, but again, this is, I'm trying to break down what a client or myself might experience with this solar return chart. Okay. So we're looking also at the planets in the perfected house. Okay. The moon in the second decan of, of Pisces. <sighs> <laughs> I'm sighing heavily because we just had a, a talk about overestimating your abilities. And this Deccan is associated with the Nine of Cups, which is a sort of a wish fulfillment card, which I find very interesting. Um, but also it shows a figure who is very satisfied and very much like could, maybe one could even suggest smug um, in the negative. Okay, so here is the, the Nine of Cups card. Here's the eight of cups that we talked about with Saturn there. There is a, another layer to that Deccan that speaks to potentially overestimating abilities. Um, and it is the story of Phaethon. There is a, a fixed star uh, called the, well, what is it, Archerner in the second Deccan of Pisces that is in the constellation uh, of, the, of a constellation that is this big long river in the sky. And the story goes, a churner is a fixed star that's related to the story of Phaethon, who was the son of Helios, okay, the, the, the son of the sun god. 
the child of the sun god. And Phaethon asks his father to be able to drive his chariot, to be able to prove his abilities, or to be able to prove his divine heritage, okay? Because people were starting to tell Phaethon, you're not really the son of Helios. And Helios was like, uh, you know, I'll grant you any wish you want to prove that I'm your father. And he's like, um, let me drive your sun chariot. It was pulled by these four very unruly white steeds, right? Uh, of, of steeds, the ruler, and of life, the light is one of the lines in, the, in the, one of the Orphic hymns to Helios. And of course, Phaethon just wasn't ready for it. Like he was sort of the sorcerer's apprentice and he, he tried to fly a little bit too high and um, he started to lose control of, of the chariot. And that brought him to a point where he was starting to scorch the earth by flying too low and he was flying too high and it was making it freeze and Zeus was observing this from Olympus and was like, this is uh, not gonna work. And he, he sh hurled one of his thunderbolts towards Phaethon and knocked him out of the chariot and he drowned in the, in the, the Eurydanus is the river's name. So that is a warning of, of not trying to fly too high. Um, the other, I think one of the other things that I take on as a belief, and this comes from my Piscean father, uh, I do believe in uh, the middle ground. I do believe that wealth is not just material, that you can be wealthy in time and you can be healthy or wealthy in your health. You can be uh, wealthy in friendship and community. Um, I'm very wealthy in community here. This is, this is part of the exalted moon on the midheaven. You all are an amazing community. And I feel like the friendships that we've built here has really filled my, my heart and my soul up here, right? And I'm willing sometimes to sacrifice some of the material things for that community. Um, but the lesson of this moon here may be telling me it's important to maintain your sense of realism around what is and isn't possible by knowing yourself, okay, knowing your energy levels. One of the things that I try to do is I try to create enough space in my life for reflection, try to create enough space in my life to be able to do the tasks that I want to do to my own standard, which admittedly is very high. And if I get, to, if I overcommitted with things, I feel like the quality of my work will start to suffer. So I, I turn down a lot of opportunities. Someone mentioned Astrology Hub earlier in the chat, and I definitely appreciate you suggesting me to them. Um, I've had an offer from them in the past to do the Astrologer Connect service that they did, um, but I had to turn it down because it was, uh, I, at the time, I wasn't, I just didn't have the time to commit to it. Um, I, I felt like some of my other work would have suffered. That being said, doing things like teaching classes and stuff like that, I'm totally open to that. So yeah, you can, it's okay to suggest me to these places, but um, sometimes you have to say yes to things, but other times it's okay to say no to things if you don't have the energy for it. So that to me is some of the messaging that's coming from that moon is knowing your limits. Let's see, let me look at the chat here. Shell says, I paid $400 for a reading, and ironically, it was one of the most negative, unhelpful ones to date. I'll be booking with you soon. And 400 was only for one hour. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Michelle. And again, not, not 
every person is going to resonate with every single astrologer's delivery. One of the things that I try to, to really focus on in my readings is how can I deliver the message in a way that is helpful to the client? I will always try to give a turnaround. I'm, I, I'm not going to avoid difficult topics in a chart or difficult placements. In fact, I sometimes encourage cathartic release. I, I want to be able to go to the to the depths and be able to kind of witness the real life that you've lived, not the life that you try to present to people, but the real circumstances that you're going through, the authentic, the authentic self. And oftentimes that brings up a lot of trauma. It brings up a lot of different belief systems that the client may have. But I always try to create a safe space container for the clients. And this is another reason for that I encourage people to continue to study. It is astrology, divination, tarot, all of these things. To me, we intuitively know a lot of these things. That's why as a as a beginning astrologer or a beginning diviner, you can still bring value to the table. You still can know things if you're just beginning or if you just feel it in, intuitively. A lot of astrologers and t card readers, they're you know, somewhat psychic. You know, they're in, they have very well-developed intuition. I would include myself in that and, and my teacher, Adam Ellenboss. And I think that intuition is often misunderstood. Sometimes we think that intuition is just something that just arises from nowhere, from nothing. And my understanding of intuition now, I think I spoke about this maybe in our last live stream, but to me it's a, it's a response to our stimuli. It is, a, it is a somatic response. Somatic is a fancy word for body response. Our body is constantly taking information that we don't always we are not always able to understand with our conscious, rational mind. And I think that people who are intuitive are very, sometimes have very well-developed somatic responses. Oftentimes those somatic responses are developed because they had to be developed in their youth due to potentially traumatic experiences. I find people that have very well-developed intuition had to have that intuition developed because they sometimes had unpredictable adults in their life when they were younger. Okay, so if you have like a like a parent or a step parent or somebody or a sibling that was abusive, you had to be really well tuned into their body language. You had to know if someone was coming home, if they were going to yell at you or if they were going to be abusive or if they were drunk or whatever. Those are the things that help honestly help develop intuition. And sometimes we are told not to trust those bodily responses. And part of the way that you can start to re-engage with your body after trauma is to start trusting what your body is telling you. We, we've become so, the word is deracinated in Sophie Strand's book. We've become uprooted from our somatic consciousness, from the earth, from listening to our bodies. You know, late stage capitalism, this, sometimes the internet encourages us to be in our heads all the time. And once we start to trust our bodies, we can start to do some of this astrological work in a, in a more balanced and enriching way. So my point being is that I want you to trust your body and your intuition when you start doing this work. The reason to continue to study is to develop a language 
to deliver the messages that you are receiving, to be able to speak them rationally, right? To be able to deliver the message in multiple ways so that you can connect with different types of clients. I keep studying because I may, I may say something one way, like through the planetary energy, or that, and that may land one way with one client. Maybe looking at the image of the tarot card will help unlock that energy for a different client because they may be more visual learner. And by learning some of the associations with the tarot card, that gives me extra layers to deliver the message of meaning. Okay, so it's very interesting to, to, for me to see that and to, to trust that somatic intelligence. Um, let's see. Lisa says, um, Alice Miller talked about the intuition and the drama of the gifted child. I'll have to check that out. I, I hope that there's some similar themes that we've been talking about here today. Um, Modern Goldilocks says, perpetual student here, love learning indeed. Uh, yes, well-developed intuition due to chaotic childhood, no planets in water, which is what some people usually associate with intuition with. There's all sorts of different somatic experiences. They don't necessarily have to be reflected in water signs. Um, I think there's a very earthy intelligence and intuition as well. And, and, it, and let's say you have earth planets. You really should trust your gut when it comes to that. If you're, if you're, let's say you Vir have Virgo placements and you start to get digestive issues when you start to get stressed because you intuitively understand that something isn't right for you, you need to pay attention to that. I know that's a lot of Virgos worry because they understand the ramifications of what's going on. Same thing with Taurus people. Taurus people have ex extremely good intuition when it comes to trusting their body. They may feel something, they need to feel it in their body first before they can act on it. I know this is true for me with a Taurus moon. If I'm not feeling it in my body, if my body is like, I don't wanna move on this, then I know that that, that resistance, I need to understand why, there's some reason why, okay? When I feel empowered, if when something is, is that 100% yes, my body feels so energized. I'm like, let's go, let's do it, you know, and I'm learning to pay attention to that and so on and so forth, right? Capricorns have something similar, I'm sure. Um, Monique says, I recently had an oracle reading with Spencer and felt like I got so much value for my investment. Thanks again. Oh, thank you, Monique. Yeah, I try to, I try to go above and beyond in my sessions. I, I look at things through different different lenses and angles. The oracle reading that Monique is referring to is a, a generally a single topic or question type reading. And I will pull cards. I will look at your solar return chart. I'll look at the transits that you're going through. Anything that can help give us insight into, into meaning to be able to serve the question that you bring to me. It could be a horary chart. It could be an I Ching reading or an animal pull. All of those things can give us additional layers of information. Um, modern Goldilocks says, yes, four planets in Taurus, Leo, moon, animal instinct. Yes, exactly. Under the moon says, yes, I have 12th house Virgo stellium and it's my best teller for anything, right? Yeah, trust that those digestive kind of juices with Virgo placements. Michelle says, yes, as a Virgo sun and stellium uh, in Virgo, I definitely have gut issues and feelings when something is off. Yeah, I, I, I'm similar. I will have a digestive challenge when I'm feeling 
anxious or anxiety about something that I know is probably not right for me. And, you know, other people in my family have challenges like this too, where they will have some digestive issue and I'll be like, what are you worried about? What is, what is on your mind? And usually there's something that they're feeling, you know, out of alignment with and it manifests physically. And I think sometimes when we'd shove down our knowing, our body is trying to get our attention. Okay. Our body's saying, this is not right. If you won't listen to the small aches and pains, I'm going to make something bigger for you to listen to. Right. So we have to learn to trust our bodies and trust our, our somatic intelligence. Uh, Lisa says, yes, it made so much sense how I developed my intuition as a child as a means of navigating early in the early environment. Yeah. I, I believe I, I, I developed a sensitivity to my environment because of some of the challenges of going back and forth to different households. There were different rules in different households where I grew up. And I, I had five different step parents growing up. I had my parents were married multiple times and I was constantly having to adjust to new expectations, rules. And when you have different parents who are, you know, constantly shifting the goalposts, you kind of have to, you have to be flexible and you have to understand what, what is okay and what isn't. And you have to like tune in and, and both my parents had some emotional challenges as well. Like I probably believe that my, my father probably had some depression uh, growing when I was growing up uh, or just in general, he probably struggles with a little bit of depression. Sometimes Um, he's a little bit agoraphobic as well. And my mom had her own challenges. She, she was a Gemini son and, and she was very much a thinker and got very emotional and overthought things. So there's, there's these two things that you had to be aware of in your environment. So Loretta, thank you so much for the super sticker, my friends. Uh, Loretta says, your approach to astrology really speaks to my cancer sun and Pisces moon. I always learn so much. Thank you for your generosity. Well, thank you for your generosity, Loretta. I appreciate you. Um, thank you so much for the donation. Yeah, if you want to make a donation to the work that I'm doing here today or uh, buy me a birthday gift, you can hit that little dollar sign in the, in the chat today. That's a, called a super sticker or a super chat. And that really does support the work that I'm doing. If you're listening to this after the fact, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Um, or there's a little heart that says it's a super thanks. The other thing you can do to support my work is just sign up for a reading, sign up for the classes. Um, the Deccans of Cancer right now are on sale. If you're in, really interested in the Deccans work, uh, those I, I did a series of two and a half to three hour lectures that go over tarot cards, fixed stars, mythology, um, signs, planets, uh, all of the knowledge that I had acquired, you know, not all of it, but, you know, uh, quite a bit of it, my heart and soul poured into those. And I put them on sale during each season. So cancer is at 20% off right now. Yeah, Michelle says, step parent, five step parents is very tough to navigate as a child. It was, it, it, it required a lot of flexibility on my part. It really brought me into contact with a lot of different people that had a lot of different worldviews. And I think this is one of the things that I really value about, this is why I think um, I try to create so much peace in our community here because I've, I've lived with a lot of different people. I've lived with people of different political values. I've lived with people with different material values, lived with people of different demographics of ages, of generations. And uh, I think that there's a way to navigate that gracefully. And I try to do that here as much as I can. And I'm not always perfect, but... We sometimes, again, my favorite phrase is agree to disagree when, when there's a conflict situation that comes up. 
is what that does is it allows space for that other person to be themselves while you are still allowed to be yourself without making a belief a personal attack on the other person there's been there's people in this group that have different beliefs than me quite significant different beliefs but that doesn't mean that we can't have a shared humanity and that we can't continue to have a conversation I grew up with a lot of people that had a lot of different belief systems than me and I had to learn how to interact with them in a way that was still uh, loving but also still um, where I was able to learn how to stand my ground about my beliefs versus theirs if, if I saw something that was an ethical lapse which I have I have seen that in my life um, okay so I hope that this was helpful for the solar return another th thing that you can look at in your solar return is just the the ascendant so one of the things I will look at here too I'll just flip it around is sometimes I will just look at it specifically with the solar return chart so if we let's say we take my natal chart out of the equation to, altogether although I will say you do want to contextualize it within your natal chart that is very important but if we just took the solar return chart alone you'd see that there's an, a Sagittarius rising in my natal chart Sagittarius is the fifth house so there may be a focal point on my creative process or on my children this year okay hopefully for the best uh, Sometimes as a parent, you never stop worrying about your children. Um, and the first decade of Sagittarius is the eight of wands. So this is about delivering messages, about getting enthusiastic about what you're learning or about delivering a message, getting passionate about something. It's a Mercury rule decade. So I have a feeling that I'll probably be passionately delivering things that are important to me this year. You know, that's my hope. Uh, that I'll be like, you know, trying to get people on board and say, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if we all went on this journey together of learning like the, the Deccans or Tarot or something like that? And that might be part of the expression. Maybe I'll also return to doing some music that some of you have been encouraging me to do. And I've been kind of that's been percolating in the back of my mind as well. I would say we also would want to look at where the ruler of the Ascendant is. In this case, it's Jupiter. So another echo of the solar return time lord okay and in this case it's in the sixth house so maybe there's some uh potential you know probably some hard work that's going to be happening maybe there's some cha changes to my health routines that i'll need to focus on also i have been thinking about changing some habits with my diet and things like that and jupiter may be supportive of that there may also be some things that are pulling me away from completion that's a sixth house energy i hope not too significantly but six house is pulling away from the seventh even though by uh secondary motion it wants to move into the seventh so primary motion brings it away in the sixth house so um jupiter though in the sixth i think it can be sort of a protective force on some level if i were to look at this in the client's chart in a solar return if you were dealing with a health challenge jupiter might be there as the really benevolent doctor or therapist or somebody that's like a guide that is really helping you you know through that process um, the other thing I would look at with this chart is the the placement of my son and mercury in this solar return chart are echoing the eighth house issue so I can probably expect some eighth house stuff to come up I'm a little nervous about that because there's some negative associations with the eighth house with death and and things of that nature but um, hopefully the the more positive aspects of that will play out with a jupiter year um 
And then I, I think finally what I would look at too is the is the what the angles, you know, and specifically what is what is going on in the midheaven here? What do I need to do to create success publicly? Now, this midheaven is going to be hanging out right on my natal Mars. My natal Mars is at about 28 degrees Virgo. So there's probably going to be some martial tendencies to my, you know, expression this year. It's already been a little bit martial leading up to this year. I've started to become more vocal about climate change and about the changes that I think we need to make as a society um, and the powers that be need to, to make, not just us as individuals, although as a collective, we have a lot of power if we start to band together. But I've had to be a little bit more mm, confident, I guess, about expressing what I truly believe without the fear that I'm going to alienate somebody. That's sort of a Mars expression. Uh, if there's something that you truly believe in, you need to be able to, I, sometimes you have to fight for it. Like there's some paradoxes within that. Like if you want peace, sometimes you have to, to fight for that peace. If you want to create change, sometimes you have to make people uncomfortable. Okay. Like that's, that's part of just gr the growth process on some level. I would also say that this Deccan is associated with the 10 of, of pentacles and I think that one of the focal points that I'm going to have for this year is what is the legacy that I want to pass on, okay? Ten of Pentacles shows an old old man who's surrounded by his family, by his pets, and he's amassed wealth, um, and he's thinking about maybe reflecting on how what, what he's going to pass on to the next generation. And to me, I, I've been really thinking a lot about that lately. I, I feel like I have work to do with this... Um, to be a steward, a good steward of the earth, to be an intermediary between this information, this sky information and the earth information, but to start to shift people's beliefs to be able to embrace embodiment rather than feel disconnected from it. Um, this flowering wand book uh, talks about sky gods versus storm gods. And she talks about how we've become disconnected, uh, especially like in, the type of patriarchal Christianity that fuels patriarchal capitalism. And this is not to take a dump on people's belief systems. If you're a Christian, there, there are ways to, to do that religion that are uh, embodied, that are, a way, that are life affirming. Okay. So I don't ever want to take away from people's practices and beliefs, but maybe even thinking about our own religious beliefs and how we got to this point may be part of the the shift, right? So sky gods versus storm gods. She talks about storm gods as ones that recycled energy. So the, the story goes is that mushroom spores, for example, when they release their spores, they become magnetized in the atmosphere and they attract water. And eventually those spores are seeding clouds that, that become rain. And then the cycle comes all over again. The rain falls, it feeds them the, the moisture that feeds the mycelium and the mushrooms sprout. They spore and, and they feed the clouds and the cycle continues. And she makes the uh, argument that our stories used to be like this too. Our, our deities used to be like this. Like Dionysus, for example, was dismembered at the end of his life and returned to the earth. Whereas in, in patriarchal Christianity, we have a story of Jesus who is at the end of his life, he's resurrected and he's just sent up into the heavens. He's not returned to the earth in the same way. And she makes an argument that there are some other gospels that were rediscovered in the 
mid-40s that talk more about the mystical sides of the Christian tradition that speak more as the voice of, of Jesus as somebody who is um, more connected to the earth, okay? More, more Dionysian on some level. Now, I'll, I'll fully admit, I was not raised in the Christian tradition. So if you are a biblical scholar, I, I mean no offense with my exploration, and you'll probably know your stories better than me. But I do like comparative religion. And I do like understanding how we got to this point as a society. And I think by, by speaking in that language, we're going to be able to, to, I think, start to unearth some of the beliefs that we have that are leading to this, this crisis that point that we're in. And, and make no mistake about it, friends, we are at a crisis point. This is, the earth is warming, uh, extreme weather is changing, and we have to, the, the, to be able to change our actions in the world, we first have to change our belief systems, okay? And if the belief systems that we had are not leading to actions that are supportive of life, then they need to be changed. They need to be shifted. Now, that doesn't mean we have to release all some of the timelessness around it, the things that, that you know, support life. But if there's things that don't support life, we need to be able to let it go. We need to be able to compost not only our material things and our material need for comfort sometimes, but we need to compost ideas. And this whole book is about compost in my mind. How do we learn to let go when it's time to let go rather than continuing to think that we have to hoard and grow and unlimited, unchecked growth? Um, so to me, this is a long-winded way of saying my midheaven at 27 degrees of Virgo conjoining my natal Mars means that I might need to stand up for the legacy that I, I'm trying to pass on. I may have to think about what information I want to live beyond me. What types of belief systems do I want to, to leave for the next seven generations or the stories? Okay, I'm a storyteller and I think that I'm learning that my contribution, I hope that my contribution is helping people to see the world in a different way that will lead to different types of actions. Okay. All right. So that is my solar return. Um, for those of you who are numerologically inclined, I'm entering a three year. Okay. And uh, I'm excited about that. So you can also track how your, your time Lord is going to be moving throughout the year. So one thing that I will be looking at specifically is when Jupiter turns retrograde. So here's the Jupiter retrograde phase, okay? Here's Jupiter retrograding exactly on my natal moon. This is another thing you want to look at when if it's a planet is, is stationing retrograde or direct over a, your personal planet, you're probably going to want to pay attention to that. Well, I already had Mercury retrograding over top of the moon here, so there was experiences that, that came along with that, and they may echo some of those experiences moving forward. So here is, uh, what is the date here? This is the September 4th. So I'm, I'm paying a lot of attention to this September 4th date uh, about maybe I'll have to be patient in my career. Maybe I'll have to, to really re-examine energy, material energy exchanges that I do with my career. This may be something where I'm, you know, maybe rethinking an offering or redoing, uh, I don't know if it's about redoing my rates. This is kind of how, you know, 
challenged I've been with some of this stuff. I actually have a fully formed Patreon that has all the offerings, all the levels, all the tiers. And this was like two years ago that I made this and I just never launched it because I started to feel really awkward about putting all of my information behind a paywall. So maybe there's something like that where that's revisited or something like that. Um, I don't know. I haven't quite lived that yet, but you want to look at what else is going on. Like a, there's going to be a Mercury retrograde around that time. Uh, Saturn in the eighth house. Here's another point to think about. Saturn's going to turn direct in November. So this is going to be important because it's in the perfected house that I'm going to be living through. So this might be a moment of forward movement as well. And then Jupiter is going to station direct in uh, December. So here is the direct motion of Jupiter. This is another point that I'll mark on my calendar. December 30th, here it is. There is now a direct Jupiter. So how do you use this information? Well, for me, I look at those retrograde periods and I say, I'm going to leave myself some more space to be able to reevaluate what is working and what isn't in my life. If I'm trying to launch something, I fully anticipate some kind of delay with something potentially, or I may have to revisit something that I thought was already completed. Okay. So think about that in your life. When you see this in your solar return charts is what are you going to be? Where are the delays? Where are the, the peak moments potentially that could happen within that? Um, I'm looking through the chat here. I'm going to just take a little, we're coming towards the end of our session here, but this has been a wonderful hangout. Um, Dawn says, let's see, Michelle says, you're doing an amazing job. That's why the same people keep, keep coming back each week. Oh, thanks, Michelle. Yeah, I just love the community. I love connecting with all of you. I love doing it live so that we can have that feedback in real time. Um, I will say that I think, I do think Leo placements really thrive on the interaction with an audience. You know, and, and for me, being able to have that interaction with you really like it energizes me and it, it, it makes me help, come, you know, keep coming back to <laughs> Michelle. So it's, it's when you're howling into the void, it's a lot of the time it's like, are people hearing me? You know, are they listening or, and, and this interaction in real time is, is really validating a lot of the time. Don says, I guess the question then would be who gets to decide what is enough for someone to have? Much as I believe people should be should only be allowed one child per person, people ask how anyone gets to decide that. Yeah, I mean, these are the real challenging ethical questions that a lot of us astrologers, tarot readers, philosophers are really trying to grapple with. Um, as artists, we can reflect our reality back to the masses. As diviners, we're helping people to find meaning. And as we are moving forward into an acceleration of technology with things like artificial intelligence, with Pluto moving into Aquarius, they need astrologers, they need diviners, they need philosophers. We need, you know, artists and all of those things to be able to ask the questions just because we can do this, should we? Where are the boundaries that come into place? How does this, is this technology, is it supporting life? Is it bringing us a greater meaning? Or are people using it for exploitation? Um, I think that 
sometimes our role as artists and as diviners and astrologers is to tell people to put the foot on the brake and say, look, maybe we should slow down with this. Maybe we shouldn't push the boundaries of this through through hubris. Maybe we need to re-examine whether this is actually healthy for us as a community or not. And the astrology can give us a lot of insight into that, like being able to see the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that happened at the start of the pandemic. Many astrologers were like, this is going to be a very life-changing experience for us as a global community. And it's probably going to bring out a lot of corruption in our systems that need to be dealt with. So if you see that as an astrologer, and then you start connecting it with uh, the, the, the greater macrocosmic questions that we are dealing with as a community, it just brings context, right? It brings context. So keep searching for meaning within the astrology, but also keep connecting it to your lived experience. You know, and people are going to find different connections with different placements, but that's how we make it embodied is connecting it with the lived experience. If you're, if you're the type of astrologer that only lives in the, in the abstract realm, you're only seeing half of the picture. And those types of astrologers sometimes can be very detrimental to their clients and how they communicate because when we keep things so deracinated, I want to make this a thing. Deracinated means uprooted, disconnected, okay? Think of a plant that's in a pot rather than in the ground, okay? When we keep those things totally objective, we keep, when we keep it sky god consciousness, then we get attached to what a, a two to 3,000 year old text says that is specific for the context of that community. For example, it is probably increasingly rare that a baby will be left on a hillside to die, okay, which was called exposure. If you read ancient astrological texts, they talk about this, this native, you know, might have, might have died from exposure. Now, and that's not to say that that doesn't happen. It absolutely still does. Like there are still times when a child is abandoned and is left to their own devices but it probably happens less often than it would have 2000 years ago. So we have to be able to start shifting the meaning. Cause if you say to, let's say you see something that would indicate in an ancient text, uh, the exposure of an infant in someone's fifth house, you, you, you know, you don't want to go to a client and be like, you might leave your baby on a hillside to die. <laughs> That's really toxic and probably not true. Okay. So you have to figure out how can you communicate that message in the context of the society that we're working through and for the, the beliefs and ethics that support people in a modern context, okay? Um, let me see, just looking through the chat. Monique says, Jupiter goes retrograde square to my natal, nader, nader, your natal Jupiter on my north node, oh my goodness. Um, you know, here's the other thing I would say about benefic squares oftentimes they aren't that bad uh ancient astrology talks about a planet in the overcoming position or the overcoming square I believe the word is to be on the 10th as actually a really positive uh, experience so yes that we you might have to to look out for the too much of a good thing type of experience we all jupiter can be uh we can 
you know, anytime that you have a planet like Jupiter, like let's say we take one of its layers of meaning as warmth and moisture, which are generally conducive to life. But if you have too much warmth and moisture, you create rot. So you can have too much of a good thing. You can have too much uh, food and where you're full. And, and if you eat anymore, it starts to make you sick. Okay. So when we're look, looking at benefic energies, sometimes too much of a good thing can start to make us sick and create the opposite as well. Okay. So it, when you're looking at the square, Monique, in your chart, it's probably not the worst case scenario type of thing, but you might have to say at that point, I've had enough. This is enough. I don't need any more of this. I've, I've created the amount of abundance that I can handle right now. And if I try to, to expand any more, it will start to lead to its opposite, which is decay and, and contraction. Okay. We always have to know kind of when to say when on some level. Rose T says, I would totally sign up for your Patreon. Well, um, that may be something in the cards. I, I'll have to think more about that. I, I have a, hmm, I'll think, I'm going to think about it because I, I, part of the thing that is my hang up with the Patreon is I, at the time that I thought about launching it, I felt at capacity for the work that I could do well and the offerings I was doing between my readings, my webinars, my client work, and these, um, these YouTube stuff, these YouTube lives and, and videos. And I was really struggling with like what I could offer that would not start to really just become a burden on me because really Patreon is really to support the creators for things that they're already doing on some level. And I felt a lot of pressure about what, what else can I offer? What, how can I give more? And uh, so I'll have to figure out how to do that in a way that is allowing for me to, to stay healthy with my time commitments while also providing value to encourage people to sign up. That's why I like the donation model on, on these live streams, because what you're doing when you're donating here is you're really just saying and acknowledging and patronizing this channel and saying, hey, I appreciate the time that you've invested today, rather than having an expectation that you're going to get some other reward, if that makes sense. Um, so I don't know. We're all just trying to figure this out in this uh, this <laughs> this time that we're living in that is... It, it, it puts us in a lot of challenging ethical quandaries sometimes, my, myself included. Um, let me look through the chat here again. Let's see. Dawn says, it's a huge commitment, too, to be online like that. I follow a lot of people, and that's a huge issue for many of them. Yeah. I mean, I like to be consistent with, with what I do in my content, and I, I like to be able to, if I say I'm going to show up for something, I, I show up. You know, I... I and I think that before I launch anything like that, I want to make sure that I'm able to follow through on it without like, you know, not being able to deliver on what I'm promising. So that's the main thing. Okay, friends, we're getting about the two hour mark here. Summer League basketball is starting in a little bit. Uh, if you have any final questions or comments, stick them in the chat. I have about a 20 second delay, but I could probably get to some of that if you want. Uh, but I hope that this was helpful for you going over a solar return chart and uh, just looking at my birthday chart for the year, um, helping you to contextualize this so you can use this in your life. I'm so very appreciative of all of your um, chats, questions, super chats. Uh, I, the birthday wishes today really fills my heart up. 
Um, you all are such an amazing community. And I'm, I'm so blessed to be able to have just your, just your attention, which is a, a commodity in and of itself these days, is there's just so much noise. And that you choose to spend your Thursday, Friday, Saturday afternoons here with me is such an honor. And I hope that I'm able to, to be of service to you and that you're finding value in this. So if you are finding value, do me a huge favor. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to the newsletter. There's added value in the newsletter now. Uh, if you want to make a donation, super chat, super sticker. The Decans of Cancer is on sale right now. You can purchase that. Sign up for this class. Join me for the class. Don't wait. Let's do this. Let's go on a journey together. Let's spend three months with some FaceTime, some face-to-face -face time. There's a whole different level of intimacy that we get in these classes that is somewhat harder to do just reading through the chat. Although we're able to, to go into some really amazing directions here in the chat, but there is something about just being able to see and hear each other's voices too. And we do that in our guided group study class. And I really value that time. And uh, it's just, uh, it really enriches my life and I hope that it will enrich your life as well. So I hope that you will join me for that. It starts Monday, July the 10th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. The classes are recorded. If you can't make the first one or if you can't make one or two here and there, you can you can watch the recordings and hopefully they'll still provide you with value. If you need a payment plan, reach out. Uh, it's easy to set something up like that with you. All right, friends. I think that is going to do it for me today. Uh, this has been wonderful. Uh, just seeing all these wonderful comments here. Um, really appreciate all of you. Uh, Dawn is telling me to go enjoy your afternoon, wishing you lots of magic this year. Enjoy that Jupiter energy. Dimphy says, have a wonderful, magical birthday evening. Carolyn says, very helpful solar return. Your exemplary humility is inspiring. Well, thank you, Carolyn. I, I try. I try to keep it humble and check myself. You know, I'm pretty hard on myself sometimes. So uh, thank you for, the, for building me up sometimes. Appreciate that. And thanks for the handwritten letters in the mail. That's so cool and so rare these days. Uh, Nanda Devi says, thank you for sharing your birthday with us. Thank you, Nanda Devi. Hope that you're doing well. Um, nice to see you too, friend. Monique says, you're the best, Spencer. Thanks for, for the solar return class. Thank you, Monique. Hope things are going well with you. And happy birthday to you, friend, in the next couple days here. I hope your solar return is fortunate for you also. Uh, Kaylin says, thanks so much for your insight today. And thank you, Kaylin, for, for reaching out. And I hope that things are going well with your tarot deck. And I'm happy to be of service and, and help with anything that you might need in regards to that. Uh, Monique says, I'm excited for class. I'm on it. Yay, Monique. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to connect in class. It's going to be so much fun. Rose T says, no questions. I just want to say thank you. Well, thank you, Rose. Appreciate you being here today. Tanya here, wishing all of you fabulous cancer sweeties the happiest birthday. Yes, Tanya, thank you for making my birthday special. And we're going to, I think we're going to have a nice meal tonight and just, just relax and chill out and go for a walk, maybe somewhere beautiful and just uh, have a nice relaxed energy and watch some basketball. <laughs> Fun. All right. Yeah. Look into the class rows. I would love to see you there. Um, all right, friends, that's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. I'll be right back here next week to talk about the new moon and cancer. Um, I've got a few other, some, some guest appearances that are kind of in the hopper coming. So look, look for that. I'll, I'll announce that in my newsletter and I'll direct you towards where you could find that stuff once it's recorded and out into the world. And, um, 
yeah, I hope that you're having a wonderful, wonderful weekend and beginning to your weekend. And I will see you the next time. Okay. So that's what I've got for you today. Have a great one. Remember to be kind to one another, be kind to yourself. Um, and happy birthday to all you cancers out there. Take care, my friends. Peace.